into the contest. It is the final day of March. It's a Wednesday. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. Shane Easter. Uh, you limit yourself with Easter eggs. I, I don't know. I'm a, I've got a soft spot for Easter eggs. I just grab them <laughs> and eat them. Mate, I'm not, I'm not a big chocolate fan, thank goodness. But uh, tell you what we're going to be doing over Easter. We're going to be cooking a whole pig on a spit on Easter Sunday, which will be fantastic, mate. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, listen to the sizzle. Well, we've got a huge show on the way today. Of course, Jaslyn Hewitt, Ash Barty playing beautifully through to the quarterfinals in Miami. And John Stephenson, we have had an Australian athlete, a runner. He has become the third fastest Australian of all time over the 100 metres. It's also exciting because we've got the running game, our new rugby podcast, out tomorrow. That's all happening, as Bill Laurie says. Well, Steve Smith says he wants to captain Australia again, but uh, Justin Langer, well... um, He's made it fairly clear that there's not a job available, Shane. What do you think? I'm not quite sure why Justin Langer's even commenting on this. Um, it's it's funny, if you're the CEO of, say, the Commonwealth Bank, you don't announce that uh, there's a new CEO potentially available or not available coming up. Um, it, it's a really weird thing. I don't know whether he's been told by the board to say stuff or he's just trying to get headlines himself. It's really weird. Um Yep, they do have two captains at the moment, um, and they're not necessarily moving on before the Ashes, so it's a bit of a non-event. I don't know why they're talking about it. I just wonder whether it's a bit of an insight into what's going on in the dressing room. Yeah, possibly, mate. And, um, you know, maybe Steve Smith's actually putting a bit of pressure on behind the scenes. Who knows? Um, I'm not sure whether he'd want a captain moving forward. He says he does now, but, uh, look, I just reckon the Ashes is coming up. Steve Smith, get plenty of runs. Um, bat well, uh, win us the ashes here, and then let's talk about it afterwards. So you, you don't think it's a coach's role to come out and say these kinds of things? No, not when there's an incumbent in there at all. Um, if the, the current captain was moving on or retiring, then it is the coach's job to say, yes, we're looking, considering new options, but currently there's, there's a captain there. It's his job to run the team. I don't know why Justin Langer's commenting on it. It's ridiculous. And, and But your view also is, is changing subject slightly that Steve Smith should just concentrate on his batting and Australia find another solution yep. uh, going forward. He should do, mate. And, um, you know, I had um, coming up this week on lunch with Lee, I had the, the great Ian Chappell on the show, mm. and he doesn't believe that Steve Smith should captain again. And, um, and I'm sort of in, in the same boat with him too, but... Yeah, I think he's a great batsman. Unfortunately, he made a big mistake, but the role the Australian cricket captain takes on a lot of different facets, and one of them is um, that he has to be the most honourable both on and off the field. And um, unfortunately, Steve Smith had a mishap, but get on and score some runs, mate, and, and do us well there. All right, I cannot wait to listen to Ian Chappell. As you know, I'm a mm. big fan of Lunch with Lee, not just because we're talking, but it's a, it's a lovely mm. chat. I really enjoyed Dick Smith. Some of his adventures, just extraordinary. So when's he, yes. is that Ian Chappell next week? Is that out next week? Yeah, comes out on Monday, mate. He was really interesting to talk to. I had him and a guy called Chris Thomas who produced the Beatles on there. Wow. Chappelle loves his music. Mm. Uh, it was a really good insight into captaincy, definitely. All right, we look forward to that. And, of course, uh, The Running Game, our new rugby podcast with Matt Dunning, comes out tomorrow. So it's all happening. Let's get into this, though. We've got some big guests on the way. Coming up on Afternoon Sports, so much tennis about Ash Barty. She's doing well in the US. Jaslyn Hewitt next. Next. 
time to talk tennis. Ash Barty, well, doing pretty well at the Miami Open, Jazz. Yeah, she's had some really great wins in her first two rounds. Her best of three set results are actually coming through, so her fitness is really there. She's won 17 out of the last 20 mm-hmm. uh, three setters she's had. Um, and uh, beat Victoria Azarenka in another three-setter, the number 14 seed and former French champion as well. So it's great to see uh, Ash actually out there and dominating. Jazz, she said she's not actually going to come home till the end of the season, so she's really focused on her job ahead, isn't she? Yeah, and she does have to retain and uh, make sure that she is dominating in that number one position. So it's it's going to be interesting over the next course of the couple of few months with mm. Osaka up there, um, Simona Halep in contention as well. So it's, it's great to see so many female tennis players in contention for the number one, but uh, even better that Ash is committed to a full schedule this year. Mm. All right, Jaslyn, uh, let's have a look at some of these boys because James Duckworth, Alexi Poprin caused massive upsets at the Miami Open in the second round, didn't they? Yeah, it was fantastic to see uh, Alexi showing his uh, big form, the big serve, big forehand, especially on that quicker American hard court. Uh, unfortunately, he went down in the uh, round of 32 to Daniel Medvedev, the number one seed of the event, in a tight three-setter, 7-6, seven, 6-7. Six, six, he got the second set, but then uh, eventually went down 6-4 in the third set. But He's still such a youngster and it's just great to see Mm. him um, being competitive against those number one seeds. And and in matches like that where you've got two tiebreakers, they really can go uh, any which way. James Duckworth, again, um, lost to the number 32 seed, uh, Alexander Bublik in the the, uh, third round as well. Um, his, his career has been hampered by uh, injury, so it's just great to see him back travelling the world, especially after uh, what the year of sport was last year in 2020. Jazz, lots of players missing um, in Miami due to COVID, um, but what's your tip for the final with the men's? Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. I think uh, Daniel, if he can pull through now um, with that one, uh, it's it is going to be tough. Um, they do have depth in, in the men's, even though you are missing the likes of Nadal Federer. Um, yeah. But he has been a clear standout uh, in all of his matches. So I, I, yeah, I envision Daniel at least making the final, if not taking it out. COVID numbers are improving, particularly in the United States and the UK, which we, we look at with, with vaccinations. But still, there's been a huge amount of disruption here at Miami. So many big names pulling out. Um, can you get the Jaslyn Hewitt crystal ball out? Give us a bit of an indication of your thoughts of how it's all going to go this year. Look, because Wimbledon wasn't on last year. We did get the US Open and, and some of the other big events and, of course, the dramatic Australian Open at the start of the year. But how do you think? Well, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we uh, will have the Italian Open leading up to the French. So Roland Garros will go ahead. We saw the French being their t- typical selves, uh, not consulting with any other Grand Slam nation or the ITF <laughs> last year and just put in their own event whenever they wanted to, which uh, ended up clashing with the Rod Laver Cup that uh, Tennis Australia uh, joint owners in. So it, it was interesting, but no, the French will definitely continue in the next coming couple of months. I think the requirements and the learnings that they've had in 2020 just by playing some of the WTA and ATP tour, the likes of lockdowns, quarantines, isolation, I think everyone's getting a lot smarter with that around the world. 
it, it is tough on the players, but uh, no, I think we'll definitely see all the Grand Slams going ahead this year. Jazz, quick question on the French Open, obviously on clay courts. Um, are there many clay courts in Australia and, and do we practice on those things out here in New South Wales or not? Uh, in New South Wales, no. We've got one clay court centre which they've used to trial a lot of different clay courts. Mm. Uh, that's at uh, Vince Barclay's Macquarie Centre. Um, Vince is a, a former tennis player related to the greats and good great mate of Tony Roach. So okay. uh, Leighton actually takes crews out there. We've got the junior lead up uh, nationals coming up. So uh, Leighton and crews have been out there training on the uh, clay out out at Macquarie but Mm. unfortunately that's the only surface that we've got here in New South Wales. We do have two clay courts at Sydney Olympic Park Mm -hmm. Um, but it is an area of concern for us that our players aren't actually getting that exposure on the uh, on that surface. Victoria do have more um, onto car which is a similar to clay but it's uh, yeah a little bit harder to slide and it can be a bit slippery. yeah, the best thing for us here in New South Wales, though, is to is to hopefully get a, a major clay court centre and then we can yeah. attract some bigger tournaments and pro series and uh, that level of uh, pro event as well as uh, some better hard court venues. We're, we're struggling Sydney Olympic Park and a venue up in Tweed are the only two centres in New South Wales that we actually can hold international level events just given the... The court surface, the sizing of courts, and all the requirements that the gotcha. uh, International yeah. Tennis Federation need. Now, I, I have jokingly, and I'm sure I've mentioned it on this podcast, my tennis career, of, of course, never started. It never finished. But I had a few <laughs> games, and I all, almost knocked myself out by whacking myself in the head with the Prince racket as I was trying to do a, uh, a forehand. But that, that that is a true story, but that's a comedic look at, at this. But we've actually, when we, when we look at rugby league and other footy sports and, and NFL and concussion, and it's a, big, it's a big chat point, there's actually been a couple of tennis players that have they've suffered concussion <laughs> yes surprisingly so so um yeah a good friend of mine Casey Delacqua she in the Chinese uh, China opened back in 2015 actually was running back to a ball in doubles and she thought she was taking it a doubles partner thought she was taking it and she actually tripped backwards and hit her head on the ground and um, got recommended after that to uh, withdraw from the match and subsequently uh was hampered with by the concussion for a couple of years after that. Uh, the other interesting one was Eugenie Bouchard in the locker room at the US Open. Uh, the cleaners thought that they'd cleaned the, um, the, all the pros had gone and cleaned the floor and something with the cleaning agent, she actually slipped on it and, oh, and felt that it was burning her skin when she landed on it. So uh, that, that again has uh, caused her some grief in her career and it's only the last uh, 24 months that we've seen Eugenie return with a few wild cards back to the tour. That sounds like the Russian Open, that one. But uh, Timmy, Timmy, do you, <laughs> Timmy, do you ever get uh, do you ever get hit in the face playing tennis? Like your reaction time's not that great, is it? Oh, it's, it's a t- my reaction time. I mean, look on on the rugby league field earlier in my days, I, I was you know was one set in commentary. I had reflexes of a panther, but on on the tennis court, I had the reflexes of a sloth. Uh, Jaslyn Hewitt, it is always a treat. Great to see you and Rob out at the Kings the other night. What a great atmosphere and what a great job he did on the microphone. Um, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. See you, Jess. Bye. Bye. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, well, he is the man, John Stephenson. What about this Rowan Browning running like the wind? He's next. 
As a professional sports person, I knew the value of a good coach, and being a business owner is no different. With the Business Coach from Growth Workshop, you can build the business you've always dreamed of, a valuable business that runs by itself. If you need to take control of your future with a winning strategy, Growth Workshop specializes in improving your cash flow, developing sales and marketing strategies to drive revenue, and getting those ideas out of your head into an action plan. Growth Workshop will help you develop a business plan and achieve your financial goals with regular guidance from our experienced team. Whether you want to drive revenue with a new marketing strategy or put the right team and systems in place, we'll help you free up from the day-to-day and allow you to grow your business. We can help. Get in touch with Growth Workshop Business Coaching at growthworkshop.com.au to book in for your no-obligation strategy session. Growth Workshop, turning your good idea and hard work into a valuable asset. PlaySport is calling Game On for a new way to play, a free platform to explore and be inspired to connect to thousands of sport, rec and well-being activities in your community. Just go to playsport.com. PlaySport, whatever moves you. John Stephenson, what an athlete, what an extraordinary individual he is. And we have the opportunity twice a week to have his company. I can't believe it. I literally have to pinch myself. Hi, John. I do. And for the listeners, did you hear the sincerity in his voice? It's true. (laughs) Love you, brother. What's going on, man? Hey. Oh. What is the weekend in sport? Huh? What? But let's start with the running. Let's start with Rowan Browning. Look, we've, I've had the opportunity to, to meet him. You know him well. Uh, 10.05. It's the, the fastest an Australian has run in Australia. Well, in Australia, that's my understanding of it. He goes to the third fastest of all time when it comes to sprinting over the 100. And he's third in the world. That might be a bit of a, a warp speed stat because of the nature of the beast of 2021. But boy, oh boy, still good. Nah, it's awesome to me. And, you know, the thing what makes this actually a, a really decent time for Rowan is that, it one, it is his personal best. Two, it's done in a track, which is not – I wouldn't say it's renowned to be really quick, mm. but um, but it, but it still, it still um, is a track that is quite difficult to run fast on, and he did it, right? And I think the stat of where he is number three in the world, I think that will change as the rest of all starts to compete throughout Europe. But the fact, whether we like it or not, he's run 10.05, and that's a really decent time, the third fastest time, like he said, ever in Australian history, and, uh, and he, boy, did he look good doing it. Lewis Hamilton, he got to the top of the podium. No great surprise there, but it was an interesting race in Bahrain. I'm glad you said that when you said there was no surprise. Wow, was I surprised throughout the whole race. Um, Max Verstappen and Red Bull threw everything but the kitchen sink at him. And uh, and Lewis, like the true champion he is, responded. And uh, it was a brilliant race to watch. This is what we wanted as Formula 1 fans. We wanted the season to not just be in the Mercedes show. We wanted Red Bull to take them on. And, and you know, they threw everything at him. And, I, and uh, look, I've got a feeling this is not the first we're going to see this sort of battle throughout the year. What do you think of Ricardo? Very good. I was a bit sad that he didn't make the top six. Uh, I think he's still learning the car. Um, it's great sign seeing Lando Norris further up than what he was um, in the grid. I think Lando finished fourth. Uh, so I know Ricardo's a competitor, right? He's going to see that and go, you know what, man? Like if Norris is up there, it's only going to be a matter of time till I'm getting podiums and taking out victories. What about this boxer Hogan from Ireland? He's saying, oh, this is just a practice bout against Tim Zhu. Now, Tim Zhu, for those that have been asleep for a while, has had 17 fights for 17 wins, including 13 knockouts. 
Yeah, uh, I think this is an interesting fight. Uh, I think it'll go two ways. It's, it's, I don't sound like Nostradamus, to be honest here, but um, um, Tim will either handle him really quickly, really easily, uh, dominate the fight, and it'll be an eight, eighth-round eighth round finish, six or eight-round finish, or Hogan makes it really rough and tough, becomes really awkward for Tim, becomes a real disgusting fight, and Tim still gets it on points at the end. So I, do, I don't think Hogan's a slouch. I don't think Hogan's scared of him. But um, but Timmy, I think Tim is just a class above, and he's coming with a, with a head full of confidence in this fight. He's a bit lippy though, Hogan, isn't he? I suppose that comes with the territory. Uh, I, I love it, mate. He's got these, definitely got that Irish fire and blood in him, so I think it's great for sport and it's great that he's sort of making a bit of a spectacle. And boxing is sort of built like that anyway, so um, mm. I, I, I'm looking forward to the fight tomorrow. I love it when boxing's on midweek. You know, there's not much that's going on, so uh, I'm looking forward to the fights. Give me my UFC, Phil. John, give me my UFC, Phil. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say this. Uh, it was a card that was disrupted by COVID, and and it sort of, it sort of didn't have the spark of the Conor McGregor fight against Poirier. It was more wow. You watched it, and you just said wow. Francis Ngannou fought Stipe Miocic, and just this guy. This guy walked in twenty pounds heavier than Stipe, and just looked honestly like the strongest man and the most scariest man in the world. He was one of the most brutal knockouts of a guy that is tough as nails. And, uh, and it's great to see Francis. He's been, you know, really wanting this title. He lost to Stipe before. And I think this was really like the, the outcoming party of Francis Ngannou. I think it's going to be extremely difficult to beat. Straight after the fight, John Jones put his hand up, said, Paint, show me the money and I'll fight this guy because everyone, that's, um, that's the next big super fight, John Jones versus Ngannou. But I will say this, right now in the UFC, they've got three world champions that are from African descent. You've got Israel Adesanya, you've got Francis Ngannou, and you've got your boy Usman who is also champion. So that's amazing statistic for the UFC. Um, I think the UFC, Dana White, they go from strength to strength. Mm. But um, wow, what a fight it was. Is there any chance you and I could get in the UFC in that slapping contest? And, and tell me why you want to do Why do you want to slap your butt? I just want to slap you. I just want to slap. I just want to go a slapping contest with you. Because I just want to see your cheeks go like in slow motion and wobble. That's what I want to see. You just want to, you just want to put talcum powder yeah, and just slap the shit out of me. Like, like, <laughs> I, like, I just don't understand the segue between Francis Ngannou, three African world champions, into I want to slap the shit out of you, man. There's some real deep seated sort of pain and hate in you, bro. That you go on that place. Yeah? Don't you know me well enough to realise that I can segue quickly into something very, very different? Uh, well, I'm going to segue off this podcast. I love all you guys. I love our listeners, and we shall talk this Friday, young Timmy. Uh, look forward to it. I'm not a. Di- I'm just a different kind of guy. Don't tell me you're not. I, I, listen, you know I've been your biggest fan, mate. So uh, I just, I just didn't understand the segue. That's all. I don't think we have to go so deep yeah, into our friendship about it. I just was, thought, was, thought it was a weak, it was a crazy segue. That's all. Yeah, I just want to give you a slap. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I love you, brother. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today goes to the wonderful, the absolutely wonderful Jaslyn Hewitt. Of course, does such great things in the world of tennis. And John Stephenson. And thank you, Shane, to our sponsors, Spartan. Yeah, we have some great sponsors in Spartan. www.spartansportshq.com Follow us on Twitter, Afternoon Sport, or on Facebook, and you could win the Canterbury Bulldogs ball. That is up for grabs. So get on following us on social media. And of course, Thank you so much to the man himself, Dan McHugh, our producer. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with your daily dose of sports. See you then. See you then, guys. Take care.